If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giants Huddle Podcast. Something a little bit different today. We don't have an original episode of the Giants Huddle today, but I wanted to take the time to introduce everybody to our brand new podcast this year called the Giants Hangout. And I'm sure a lot of people that are listeners to the Giants Huddle and Big Blue Kickoff Live haven't had a chance to check it out yet. It's brand new this year. We have two episodes each week. On Monday, we have Lance Meadow, Russ Salzberg, and Howard Cross, and usually a guest coming together and talking about the Giants game from the previous day. That'll air usually the morning after every game. And then every Thursday, for the most part, depending if there's a Thursday night game, it might change a little bit. You have Madeline Burke, Jonathan Casillas, and Brandon London doing some midweek talks, some general stuff, and also looking ahead to the following matchup coming up that weekend. And what I like about the show, guys, is that it's kind of picking three different topics, debate, go back and forth. But the two groups are very different. You have the Monday group, which is more kind of into the game, X's and O's. The Thursday group's a little bit more fun, a little bit, you know, younger, have a little, you know, run around a little bit, just kind of do something a little bit different. So I think the moods of the episodes are very different. So go make sure you check out both groups on the Giants Hangout again. You can find it on the Giants mobile app, Giants.com slash podcast, or just search for Giants Hangout on your favorite podcast platform and hit that subscribe button for it. Uh, we would really appreciate that if you did. And if you're on Giants, um, if you're on Apple Podcasts, pardon me, make sure you leave a positive review for all of the podcasts you listen to on the Giants podcast lineup. We would really appreciate it. So the episode we're going to play for you today on the Giants Little Podcast feed is from Monday with Howard, Lance, and Russ reacting to Giants and Bills. And again, I really urge you to go to the feed on Thursday this week and go check out Madeline, Jonathan, and Brandon. Uh, they have a really good show. They have a lot of uh, a lot of fun talking Giants football on the Giants Hangout. All right, here's Monday's episode. Check it out. Welcome to the latest edition of the Giants Hangout, our weekly roundtable discussion as we recap the previous game and also look ahead while focusing on three themes. And a tough loss for the Giants in Western New York as they fell to 1-5 with a 14-9 loss to the Buffalo Bills. Today, we're going to focus on red zone issues. We're going to focus on the defensive performance overall and how they kept that Bills offense in check and also strides that the offensive line made to help the Giants move the ball with Tyrod Taylor at the controls. Lance Meadow, Russ Salzberg, Howard Cross with you. And Howard, I want to start with you because to me, one of the most prevalent themes coming out of this game is you look at the box score. The Giants were 0 for 5 in the red zone. The Bills were 2 for 2. And if you didn't watch any of this game, I would say that pretty much tells the whole story. There were opportunities for the Giants to put more points on the board, and unfortunately, they could not punch it in. They settled for three field goals, and two of those opportunities, of course, which came at the end of the first half and the end of the game, they walked away empty-handed. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it was just a, a couple of mistakes trying to get things done, figuring out uh, you had offensive line uh, issues again, as Justin Pugh had to sub in to get guys, you know, get everybody lined up. That kind of gave him some penalty there, getting really close to the red zone. They were they were down there pretty close. They had two or three penalties in a row, procedure penalties. But it's understandable. You were on the couch. You come in to play guard, then you move to tackle. <laughs> you might be a little jumpy, so I, I don't I don't really fault him in in that aspect. The other issue was I, I think that they got down there. Had a chance, especially at the end of the half, to score. And I think Tyrod checked out of the pass and checked to run. And I don't know if he realized I don't know if he didn't realize they didn't have enough, didn't have any more timeouts, or he thought maybe they had enough time to get, you know, get the playoff, but you had 14 seconds, you run into the middle. There's no way to get, you know, nobody's getting up quick if you're playing defense. They're holding you down. So that kind of that kind of kind of changed the flow of the game. As far as them, like, you know. The, to drive it into the end zone, I thought they did. It, like I said again, the offense played relatively well, except for scoring scoring touchdowns. Yeah, you, you know, Howard, you bring up a good point about the. I'm glad you brought up about the offensive line because, uh, as Lance mentioned, what we were 0 for five. Giants were 0 for five in the red mm -hmm. zone. But as the game was going, in particular, when we moved on into the second half uh, after that debacle at the end of the first half, I saw a little. I don't know if when it comes to the offensive line, if you call it rhythm, I'll, I'll call it cohesiveness, but I, I just sensed they were in a, in a groove that they were playing better. You know, I marked down in, in the first half, I think Saquon, um, he had like, I think three negative, uh, mm -hmm. minus two. He had maybe one plus one. He had two, no gains, but in fairness to Saquon, they were on him before he got the ball in that first half. But then I thought, as you say, the third quarter, fourth quarter, all of a sudden there was a cohesiveness and the offensive line started to play better. I'll ask you this, being a former player, you know, it seems almost Pop Warnerish, but when you're down in a situation like that, is it up to the quarterback? Is it up to the coaches to remind everybody, guys, we have no timeouts left. We got to be smart. You, you can't just, you can't get caught you know, you you have to throw the ball. Who does where does that lie, Howard? I think it's I think it's on everybody. But I think what happens is is that you know Tyrod gets in the game. He get he lines up at the line of scrimmage. He probably knows it's fourteen seconds. He probably knows that they don't have any more timeouts. He has all that down, and they give a look in the front that takes him away from the play that he that he has. So he checks to you know whatever the next check is unless he knows another pass to check to with no timeouts he has to do something like so he probably checks to the run he checks to the play that, that's supposed to work in that situation if blocked up so again offensive line aside I'm, I'm not faulting for that they played a pretty good game but they were up against a pretty good defensive front I check into a run right there. If it doesn't work, it's, it's, you know, it's all or nothing in that kind of situation. Yeah, I, and that's I'm, what Tyrod Taylor mentioned after the game. He was asked by reporters. He said that he alerted the offense to go from a pass to a run because he saw the front that you mentioned, Howard. And I think my interpretation of that is he almost got lost in the flow of the game where you were reminded you don't have any timeouts. You see the look. You maybe tend to forget where you are in the game because you're so focused on the X's and O's and Saquon got the handoff. And unfortunately they ran out of time. He did acknowledge Tyrod Taylor, though. He said he thought they would have had enough time 
to line back up and spike the ball. But clearly, that did not come to fruition. Yeah, I mean, when in that situation, you would hope that he would, uh, you know, take it, be like, okay, this is a run play. We could run it here, but we don't have time. So I'm going to snap it and just throw it into the stands because, you know, they, they, they got it diagnosed defensively. I can see they have it diagnosed defensively. Take the snap and, and just throw it into the stands. So even drop back and it's like, okay, uh, walk up to the line and say shotgun, shotgun, shotgun to snap it to make sure that nobody gets to him really quickly. He has time to throw it into the stands because sometimes they get hit in their second step of the three-step drop, give himself some room to protect himself. Um, but that's neither here nor there. That's like, I mean, he's a veteran. I mean, he knows. He looked at the clock, 14 seconds. I think you need, in theory, you need 16 seconds to get a field goal team. And, and, here's, and here's the reason why. You have to you have to remember it. I think the rule is like fifteen to sixteen seconds to kick a field goal when you don't have any time on the clock. We had fourteen seconds. Yep. Not only did we have fourteen seconds, we had fourteen seconds, and everybody was still on the field. Right. Usually in that situation, when you you can't spike the ball, you can run guys from the sideline onto the field and kick the field goal. But you've thrown a pass. Right. The ball the ball's incomplete. Everybody's running from the sideline to get on. The kickers are running on. The, the receivers are running off. The other the extra guys, the wing guys are running on. And then you get the ball, snap, kick, field goal. You know, that's what that's the operation. The operation doesn't work the same if you run the ball. So if you run the ball, then you, you're dependent on the defensive players to get up off of you, and they don't try to move if they don't have to. Yeah. You know, Howard uh, and uh, Howard, your old coach, Bill Parcells, as you know very well, used to say, no medals for trying. And that's the deal. They are the Giants are what they are. Uh, and, you know, right now they're one in five. But that said, that was a gutsy performance, particularly on the defensive end. They mm -hmm. they stopped a, 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 an assassin for a quarterback and they stopped an explosive offense it really, it was it was a tremendous defensive effort. And what impressed me, I saw completely. You know, I've been complaining since we've been doing this about the, the poor tackling. I didn't see that last night. I saw guys going to the ball, guys making hits, guys making stops. It was a much improved effort. And as I say, Parcells would say, no medals for trying. But I think moving forward, now fans and even the coaching staff, I think they can feel a little gaining confidence because we got to see what the what we kind of expected the Giants defense to be like this year yeah they're 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 gang tackling they're getting everybody to the to the ball they're getting a lot of guys in the camera shot as we say that uh, that's the most important thing about defense it's not a one man making a play it's a group of guys making a play you can get those outstanding plays where a guy makes a single tackle but what you usually get is a bunch of guys running to the ball and when when the ball carrier looks up or the receiver looks up he sees a lot of bodies and that's when you get your chance to make big plays and big hits on them and you saw it over and over again they also did a great great job of making the uh, of, of making the quarterback scramble to his left. When he goes to his right, Josh Allen is deadly. You saw the two plays where he zips the ball back across his body. But when he goes to the left and turns his body, he doesn't really throw the ball as well. And he missed a few throws there and even had a ball tip, two tips for interceptions kind of going to his left. So, you know, they did a great job trying to force him to his left as much as possible. The one or two times he got out contained, he made plays. Well, you look at Bobby Okereke's performance. Uh, he was all over the place, extremely active. So to Russ's point about being encouraged by the defensive performance, also being encouraged by getting return on a free agent addition, which I mm -hmm. think is key. And this is now the second straight game 
where he's gotten hands-on balls. He's been opportunistic. I mean, he and Micah McFadden combined for both takeaways. The problem is, and I think last night's game brought this back to the forefront, as good as the defense performed, and tip of the cap to holding the Bills to 14 points, it's almost as if they have to be perfect or they have to score themselves because, guys, you look at the two takeaways. The Giants' offense only scored three points, and they had favorable field position. And then number two, as good as the defense was, to your point, Howard, and keeping Josh Allen in check, believe it or not, and I think this gets lost in translation, you know Josh Allen only had one incompletion in the second half? That was the miss to Dawson Knox, which could have sealed the game for the Bills when he was short. He didn't put enough right. mustard on that pass. That was it. Mm -hmm. He was 11 of 12, and he orchestrated two touchdown drives. So this is not to knock the Giants' defense. It's to further show, as good as they were, you still needed two or three more plays out of them because of the offensive struggles right now. Well, you know, Lance, I hear you. I mean, that's that's the theme of a lot of people that I hear on radio and TV and stuff about the offensive struggles of the Giants. What you saw last night was offensive improvement. And that's something that you can't really, like, you know, poo-poo and look at. Uh, you didn't have your starting quarterback in. You had a guy come in off the couch. Uh, they actually held up. There wasn't, like, five sacks, six sacks, seven sacks, eight sacks. He had time to throw the ball. That's movement. Um, you had a Waller getting involved in the game. You, you had Slayton going down the field deep, taking shots. Uh, if he could get – if he could have got a little more air on the ball, you may have had a touchdown from Hyatt because Hyatt had a step on the on the on the, the coverage guys, but you know the ball kind of fell short uh, late in the game. You know, Slayton doesn't really jump to get the ball; lets the ball come into his body. If he jumps to get it, you know, catch it at a high point. You know, it's just different. There's a play here and a play there that they're getting closer and closer to. But the most encouraging thing was how the offensive line played. Buffalo's defense is a much better defense than some of the defenses they've seen this year outside of Dallas and San Francisco. They're like probably the third best defense in that group. There were no sacks or, or they may have credited them for a couple sacks. There was no, you know, thousand quarterback hits. None of that happened. You're, once, once they start to settle. And the other thing that makes that not happen is Saquon being in the game. You can't bring everybody to the table when, when Saquon's in the game. Either you're going to have to give up the deep throw or you're going to have to commit up, up for everybody. The more healthy people get onto the offense, the better the offense is going to look. They weren't supposed to be playing with backups. And I'm not, I'm not beating on those guys, but they weren't supposed to be playing with backups. We saw in the preseason, they just didn't hold up. You know, one guy we also should mention, and a lot of us, I know I have, we, a lot of people have been barking. We want to see more from uh, Jalen Hyatt. Jalen Hyatt, we got to see that young man last night, and – he needs to be involved. He, he he can catch a ball, and he certainly has uh, racehorse speed. I mean, the, the kid can play. Yeah, but that's that's a product of the offensive line playing good. You know whose name right. you didn't hear a lot of last night? Evan Neal. Evan Neal did a good job. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's his knee or his ankle, whatever's been hurting him, but I his saw ankle. him. Yeah. I've seen him play against, you know, some premier, you know, rush ends. I'm thinking, like, if they could just hold up. And I'm like, oh, he's moving good. Okay. So, you know, he's feeling better. He's playing better. Uh, whoever they slid out there, left tackle, was trying to make it. Uh, and I hope Azudu's foot's okay. His toe's okay. Uh, Justin moves out there. I'm thinking like, man, he looks so small. But he held up. And and the other thing was he had some fight about him. You know, he was, he was, he was playing slightly angry. He had a little bit of an attitude about him when he was playing, which was, you know, you've been watching him a lot. We've seen the defense start to get an attitude with guys like trying to shove him after the play. And I'm not promoting fighting anything, but when Justin comes in, 
his attitude's different, and the other guy's attitude start to pick up alongside of him. So that that changed a lot. I mean, the last drive when they went in, even though they didn't they didn't score, they come out and they're and they're knocking fists like, okay, guys, let's go get them. You know, I'm like I'm like, wow, the offensive line has a different attitude. You can actually see it. And they what? were and they were trying to get after him again. Need to have a, some better execution from all the skill guys, quarterback, receivers, everybody. But it looked a little different. You saw Saquon gashing them. They they had started to get confidence, it, and this is going to carry over. Hopefully, this carries over, and they keep getting better. Hopefully, they. I don't know who they're going to bring in now. If, if you might be coming back, buddy. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that last night. I was like, "Oh my God, who's left?" I mean, I, I mean, I guess they're gonna have to bring some, some, a couple other guys in. I mean, another guy goes, another guy goes down. Parrot was hurt. P, um, Azuda went out. I, I really don't know who, who's, who's left. I mean, they, they're gonna have to. Somebody's gonna have to come up from the practice squad. I'm sure they're searching other practice squads to bring other guys in. It's getting really interesting at the offensive line. If some of these guys don't get healthy and come back, it could be it could be very interesting. You, you know, you bring up a good point about um, Justin Pugh because to myself, I've been thinking about that pretty much the entire season. I, I know we, we've discussed it till we're blue in the face about the offensive line being depleted. But with Pugh in there last night, I felt, I don't know, even a little meanness. There was some juice to the offensive line that I think has been lacking. I don't know if it's individual personalities or combined, but with Pew in there last night, I saw a, like a, more feistiness in the offensive line than I've seen all season. And no, and no offense to all the guys that are playing. And I do mean it outside of Thomas and everything. No offense to all of them. It looked a lot different when a guy, his, his quality of play lifted the other guys up so high. It's, it's kind of like, you know when they when they had they, they had a bunch of other guys in there. I think of like Richie Soyberg coming back off the broken leg and, and having that crazy mean attitude when he, yeah. when he went after it. It it made the other guys like kind of meaner around him. So that's kind of what I'm seeing. Um, like Big Gates last year, if if they had Nick around this year, it'd have been the same thing. Nick with his with his belly hanging out, running running around. Oh, you're right. It just it just those guys with those attitudes that. That little extra punch that they get after and smack talk, it makes the rest of the guys want to get a little harder too. So I appreciate that for him. I appreciate him, you know, giving that kind of effort and that, that kind of personality back into that offensive line. It, it it showed and it helped tremendously. Well, Pew's a veteran, and I think thankfully for him, he had some experience at left tackle early in his career. Because it wouldn't have been fun, right, if he was just solely a guard and all of a sudden a few plays into the game they kick you out to left tackle. Because even he admitted after the game, you know, clearly it's been several seasons since he played left tackle and he did not practice at left tackle over the course of the week leading into the game. So it was a bit of uncharted territory for him. And I agree. He did provide that veteran leadership, that toughness. What I also think helped Howard, though, and this shouldn't go unnoticed, is Tyron Taylor's mobility and then tending to move the pocket more often than not, to alleviate the offensive line. Because as you mentioned, it wasn't that the Bills disrupted the game. And we saw that with previous opponents. They had three sacks. They had five quarterback hits. You can live with that. Those are numbers that are not overwhelming in comparison to what we saw to the Dolphins and the Seahawks in the previous two games. But I do think Taylor on the run moving, that motion that he provided – 
did not allow Buffalo to be able to capitalize on. There were some close calls, but he at least continuously shifted the pocket. That's what at least jumped out to me. It jumped out to you, but that's not that's not uh, his ability. That's the coaching, right? Strategy. So when, sure. when, when yeah. coaches decide that they're going to roll away from a certain guy to see, he was rolling away from guys, but when he was rolling, there was nobody in pursuit to half the time. That's what I was seeing. You know, even though you're rolling the pocket, you're trying to get him outside to give him that. That also gives you half the field. So that means that the guys on that side of the field have to win. Uh, uh, the guys coming across have to get there quick. It's, it's, it's a great thing to do, but it just it eliminates half the field when you do it. But it does protect your offensive line a bit. Uh, you just have to block the guys on the front side and make sure you got them out of the way. Um, and for the most part, he looked good. You're right. He didn't get hit a lot. He he was, quote, unquote, mobile. But, again, he's mobile because they're trying to give give the opportunity to the offensive line because they were, like, a little worried once they started losing more guys. That's okay, how we're how we going to do this. And then it, it worked out for them. Here's the other thing that I want to bring up with respect to the dynamics of this game. And we were alluding to it somewhat off the top. A mm -hmm. lot of people watch this game and they say, well, if the Giants would have had a field goal opportunity at the end of the first half and they didn't have issues with clock management, that you would take those three points, then at the end of the game, you'd be setting yourself up for a game-winning field goal. I don't think football is that easy. I yeah, think I that you can't – Russ, I want to get your thoughts here in a second. I don't think you could play the mathematical equation where you just add three points on and everything else stays the same. I think the Giants' philosophy changes in the second half. The Bills' philosophy changes in the second half. So I know a lot of fans who are consuming the game think that it came down to that one play or series. I just – I don't think it's that simple, Russ. I agree with you. I think Collinsworth might have said that, you know, during the game last night, and I disagreed right away. Everything plays out differently. You don't know how, you know, you're playing with the different spread. You know, it's, it's not six points. It's nine points. To me, what the killer about missing that was not just that they came away with, they didn't get any points, didn't get that field goal. But if you get that field goal, to me, what the big difference was, I think, I don't, I can't say what was going on in, in a locker room, kind of, be, they would deflate it a bit. To me, you get the three points, and then you know you're coming out, getting the ball to start the third quarter. Now you have some juice. Now you're revved up. Now the coaches are looking at everybody saying, we're up nine, let's go make it 16. It, it's a whole different mindset, but to say th the lack of, of not connecting on a field goal to end the first half, that's what cost you the game. I don't buy that. It was just a bad play. It was a screw-up. It can't happen. It did happen. You got to move forward. Unfortunately, guys, most games are decided by uh, three to five plays during the game, and you don't know which play it's going to be and how it's going to turn out. That play actually did decide the game. Uh, I, I hate to, to be the bear of bad news. Josh Allen goes, you know, 10 of 11 or 11 of 12. That's a great, great, you know, half for him in, you know, doing, in doing so. His game does not get better than that in, in the second half. He's playing at the top of his game in the second half to get the 14 points. If the Giants somehow, some way, score the field goal before halftime, score another field goal, I mean, that means that they're going to be throwing the ball deeper and that puts the ball in jeopardy. That puts Josh and those guys in, in more jeopardy throwing the ball deeper. You know, it, what happens is when you get a lead and you, and you expand the lead, you put more pressure on the other team's offense to make plays. They don't can't dink and dunk. They have to go deep down the field. Not to mention 
at the end of the game, and and I don't, you know, I hate doing this to refs, but at the end of the game, the refs kind of blew the last call. Oh boy, did I mean, <laughs> how I you know what I actually thought? I mm. thought blowing the last call was a make a I I would have questioned the 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 previous call. I thought maybe that was could have gone either way. I don't think there was any doubt that that was holding on that last call of the game. I, I don't know if they were making They had a couple really weird, uh, they had a really bad sequence at the end of the game that, you know, even the touchdown that uh, Josh Allen throws in the end zone, they run a pick play and takes, and they take out our safety, like literally take him out. Uh, and I don't think they really show it on TV, but they run a pick to, to, to take the safety out away from the, to get the tight end open. The safety is laying on the ground, rolling in pain because they hit him so hard. He, he lost his breath. And coach goes, okay, guys, like, uh, is that a pick? They're like, hey, coach, I didn't really see it that way. So he's just laying on the ground because, <laughs> like, you know, it, it's – and I don't like using that. But, like, sometimes – and I tell people all the time, if you're if you're a winning team, you get more calls. You just do. And the Giants got one or two calls at the end, heading into the end zone. That last play, I'm like, if they don't, if it's not egregious, but it was egregious, they should have called it. I, I don't think that would have made them win necessarily, but the ball on the you know half foot line or whatever it is after yeah, that, they would have had another shot at it. Yeah, yeah. They had another, yeah. another bite at the apple. And I just I don't understand. You know, part of the game is part of the game is. Human error, so that that they'll they'll get some flat red flags in their in their mail, but outside of that, this is part of the game. Well, because we could sit here and analyze officiating till we're blue in the face. I mean, every single game is impacted by a call here, a call there. As you mentioned, Howard, there's three to five plays whether officiating is involved, but that's mm -hmm. why I go back to what happens earlier in the game and the cumulative effect of having all those red zone opportunities, and maybe it doesn't come down to the official throwing an additional flag because Darren Waller was held and you get another play. If you cash in some of those field goals for touchdowns, and to your point, Howard, you put the Bills in a more precarious spot mm -hmm. where Josh Allen has to have 15 completions mm -hmm. out of 16 or 17 attempts, and he has to throw another touchdown, it completely changes the thinking of Ken Dorsey, the Bills offensive coordinator, and it changes the thinking of Sean McDermott because, see, the Bills, they remained in striking distance. That yeah. was a benefit for them the entire second half. The Giants had opportunities to distance themselves, and they let the Bills hang around. And Buffalo, which is a better team in the long run, eventually is going to say, thank you very much, and we'll take it from here. And that's exactly yeah, what happened. Lance, that's, that's fair and unfair at the same time. They're, they're, they're struggling to get themselves back right at you. Playing, what I said before the game, when, when, I, when I did the intro in the, in the radio, I said, look, the Giants are shorthanded. They're undermanned. They're missing guys. It's next man up and all that great stuff. The Bills are supposed to win the game. I get it, but make them beat you. Don't give it to them. And I think, and I think the Giants did that last night. They made the Bills beat them. They did everything they possibly could do. You know, there weren't any drops in the end zone, right? There were plays getting down close, but there weren't any drops in the end zone. Outside the mistake of of going for it in 14 seconds, and I mean, they did pretty much everything they could do. The Bills was, were going to we, – we would have thought that there were going to be eight to ten sacks in the game before we got started. That's That's been our – that's been the way we've been watching, how we've been consuming the game, that holy smokes, these guys are giving us so many sacks. This game, 
They rolled out. They got the ball like Wendell Robson. You got to give him all the credit in the world. He 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 was you know as a small guy, he was able to somehow, some way, take some pretty good shots because he got the ball upfield. He wasn't always catching and getting down. He was he was moving the ball upfield. He did a great job, and by him catching the ball short, it made everybody else look good. You know, everywhere else, Waller catching the ball, not going down when he caught the ball, trying to get the extra yards, made a big thing. Slayton came up big in the game and, and Hyatt came up. And so I think a lot of good things came out of the game. Uh, if the coaches, as they go forward, are they going to keep that kind of philosophy where they're going to try to roll? And like, okay, we're, we're, we may be giving up half the field. We're going to have to try to roll. I think the receivers also are going to you know, look back at this tape and they're going to say like, hey, you know what? Every other team, when the quarterback is, is outside the pocket, they don't just hold to their routes. They break off routes. They try to find open spaces, and you know, and it's hard to do when you're when you're not used to doing it. But you know, somebody some somebody in the group is going to be like, okay, I can stop right here and I'm open. You saw, you saw the receivers from Buffalo do it over and over again. Josh Allen is rolling, 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 waiting, 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 and they just, they just stop. Yeah, yeah, you know, going to dump the ball. Guys, there was also some discussion after the game. I, th- I think it might have been questioning uh, questions to uh, Dable. Uh, in the post game, and um, well, did you think about running the ball instead of you know trying to throw to um, to Waller? And I, I agreed with throwing the ball simply because listen, if it was a different time, a different offensive line, they would stop. What was it, two or three times on third and one? So yep. to me, I I'm listen, I didn't have confidence in it, so I thought they made the right call. I thought, listen, if had they run it. And got in, then we would have said great call. But the way th- what was happening during the game, I thought it was the right call to try and throw and not run it. Well, well they his, stopped Saquon his... in the red zone at the very end of the first half. Which yes. Is what Dable referenced. So there's one example. And Howard, what I would add before I let you continue is you brought Darren Waller onto this roster for a reason, into situations like this where he's got the height, he could box out defenders, and he had a one-on-one situation. Unfortunately, there was a lot of grabbing that went on, but I would think 99% of the time, you want to give him a shot to make a play, which is why you made that trade to bring him in. And again, when you check to a run, you check to a run. And, and this goes with percentages also. And I'm pretty sure, you know, thinking, thinking about Tyrod, he probably thought of this. They had not failed in the third and one this season until that play. <laughs> so you probably like, third and one, we're right here at the goal line. This is gonna be perfect. I'll just call it. It's gonna be great. I'm gonna check out, I'm gonna check out the path. We're gonna we're gonna smash it in. But you know, it's it's between the time that he's in the game and the first game of the season, there may be one offensive lineman playing in the, in the same position. Everybody else is like all over the place. So they're they're gonna get there. And I think that they're gonna be more improved this coming week than they were this past week. I just my curiosity is gonna be are they going to move the pocket and and what kind of routes are they going to be running on the backside when they, when they do? Well, yeah, I, I, again, I think a lot also depends upon, you know, is, is Daniel going to be healthy enough to come back? Is Andrew Thomas going to be healthy enough to come back? Listen, we got a glimpse of what I, the team can do with Saquon Barkley back in the lineup. So I let's think, get all three of them together back in the lineup. I think we got everybody in the pocket. I think if we get everybody there, I think they're still going to move the pocket because Daniel can, he throws well for moving the pocket as well, just like Tyrod does. I think they're going to do it because it protects, it protects some of the linemen and it helps them get the ball down the field. And it also gives the defense, you know, puts them in, in conflict because 
if Hyatt is screaming down the field, if Slayton is screaming down the field, you got Waller and Robinson underneath, there's a lot of people to try to make a you know make a difference. It's going to, the, the size of the field are going to be flooded, and it's going to be a little tougher for, for defenses if they move the pocket like that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Wandell because Wandell is becoming a real weapon underneath. I mean, <laughs> he's quick, he's cat-like, and you know what? He's a tough little guy. He can take a hit. Well, hopefully he he learns to get down and get out of bounds because that's not that's not the, that's not the size of person he wants right. with, with good contact. Well, and that's why all the things we're talking about, guys, is basically laying out what is going to define the remainder of the season. And that's going to be whether they have all the weapons at their disposal that Howard was talking about. It's about putting more points on the board because, and I know Howard, you're going to point to, they've dealt with some injuries. I get that. But, you know, you could also showcase other teams that have also lost personnel and still find a way to at least you, manufacture there's no There's no team in the NFL that's lost their entire line. Well, no, but Seattle, the Seahawks, they lost four of their two. five starters in they that lost, game. They lost two of their guys. No, but no, but they were down. They had guys on IR who weren't available coming into the game. No, they may no. have not lost them during the game, Howard. <laughs> they were down four of their five offensive linemen. Yeah, okay? I mean, that's that, close that, in the vicinity, in fairness. That's, that's continuity if you're playing with the same group of guys from the first game to that. I don't know where you're going with this. <laughs> we, I'm not going anywhere. All I'm saying is, Pete Carroll, you're going to tell me he didn't want two of his offensive tackles back in the mix? That yeah, he was okay he did, with but... the backups plan? But if he's been playing with them from from day one to now, they grow with the, they grow together. They just grow together. Like some of the times when I'm watching when I'm watching these guys play, I know for a fact that they don't know who to block. And it's not that they don't know who to block because of the scheme. It's like if you're supposed to be doubling, we we saw guys run through. We saw the linebacker run through the line and hit the running back in the backfield. Well, they're supposed to be doubling the the down guy and going up to the second level to get the guy. No one comes off. No one's coming off because you're not sure who's supposed to come off. Or you're not sure when you're supposed to come off. And that comes with continuity and practice and reps together. That doesn't come with, you know, you just, well, I'm going to plug you in and we're going to do that. You know, combination blocks, all the stuff they do. The 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 300-pound the ballerinas, they got to be in step. You know, they're, they're, they're the uh, – I don't know, the Rockettes, if you want to call them. If, if they're not all together and practicing together all the time, it's really hard for them to do it. And I'm not making an excuse for them. I just know for a fact it's hard for them to do it. Sure, no, communication and chemistry are key. I'm not disputing that at all. I'm just saying big picture overall, whether they get some guys back or not, the point total has to increase. Because, Howard, in the it's five to... losses, they've scored 16 points or less in all five games. I don't think that's a coincidence. They haven't they've scored, scored a touchdown. Less than 10 either. points in three of those five. No, but and you're right. Haven't haven't scored scored a touchdown touchdown. Point yeah, no, in the last I, I, three. I, I think coming off this game, look, I'll be frank with you. I don't think there are too many people. I know I didn't give the giants a chance to win this game. I mean, <laughs> nobody, the most ardent giants fan was looking at gloom and doom. You have, you were going into a, a tough building to play against a powerhouse team with a depleted uh, offensive line. And you know what? To Howard's point, they stuck it out. They improved as the game went on. We got to see a difference. We certainly got to see a difference with Saquon. So, mm -hmm. I, to be frank with you, I'm more confident now moving forward. Saquon's yes. back. You get Daniel back. You get Andrew Thomas back. I got to see glimpses of what Hyatt can do and, and different mm -hmm. things. Yeah, I think we're going to see improvement. I, I'm going to be real surprised if we don't get a couple of touchdowns against the commanders. Yeah. I really will.
And I, and I don't know when John Michael Schmitz come back. When he comes back, that's going to make a huge difference as well. Yeah. Well, you're talking about multiple starters. And, you know, when yes. Andrew Thomas comes back, and to your point, Howard, you're going to have the same guys hopefully playing next to one another mm-hmm. for multiple games. At, maybe I should say multiple series at this point. Forget yeah. games. Let's get to yeah. a multiple yeah. series. Yeah. We so, get yes, that should ultimately make a difference. 100%. And I think the most encouraging aspect is if the movement of the pocket helped them navigate a Buffalo Bills defensive front, guys, that led the NFL in sacks coming in and also led the NFL in takeaways. They protected the ball, and they didn't allow the Bills to damage that game. So you get a Washington team that we know has four former first-round picks who can be just as disruptive. If you handled Buffalo quite well, then, yes, I would agree. That's encouraging going up against a Washington team that doesn't have the same track record coming in as the Buffalo Bills did. Well, that that hasn't been that has been helpful so far. So we, we just hope they play better all around. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah, I, I just think we we got again. I'll go back to you know I, I say it all the time. It's one of my favorite lines. How your old coach Parcells, no medals for trying, but they, they would their effort to me last night was a a much better effort than I had seen in previous weeks. There yeah, was a cohesiveness absolutely. that was missing. And, and whatever it was, I'm not saying the guys weren't trying, but their effort last night w- w- was a job well done. It just wasn't good enough. Yeah, it, w- it wasn't they weren't trying or, or were trying. I just thought they had a better attitude towards the yes. game. I thought they were really, like, you know, trying to, uh, whatever for whatever reason, there was a, a much more confidence, and they, they, they really got after it. Whether it's the one guy, Pew, or somebody else, but they really got after it. Well, I think also the biggest difference was the fundamentals on both sides of the ball. I mean, Russ, you even hit on this. On defense, we had been talking about missed tackles left and right, right on the defensive side of the ball. You really weren't seeing any of that. You were seeing guys in position hustling to the ball, not allowing the Bills to get that slippery play or two. You know, how many times did we watch Stephon Diggs against the Dolphins slip out of two tackles, take it to the house? There was none of that. There weren't a whole lot of explosive plays. So that was cleaned up from an effort standpoint. And then mm-hmm. on offense, Howard hit on, yeah, there wasn't that drop. There wasn't that egregious mishap. I'll give you that. I still stand by, though, if you get the ball twice where your starting field position is your own 42 and your own 44, which led to two field goals, that whether or not there was an egregious play or not, you still you need to walk away with a touchdown, at least in one of those circumstances. That's all I'm saying, Howard. I understand that, you know, there were things that you could point to and say, well, the Giants didn't do anything wrong. It's just on the surface. When you start at that position and the Bills are giving you half the field, a team like that, you got to find a way to punch it in. That's pretty much my main point. Okay. Won't argue. Yeah, well, uh, listen, I'm, I'm a little surprised. Maybe this is an indication we should ease out of the Giants' hangout here. Because I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm not arguing because no matter what I tell you, you're going to keep going back to the same thing, saying they got to do it. Like If you played the 85 Bears, which you're not – they didn't play the 85 Bears, you weren't scoring. I don't care where you got the ball. And that means that you, when you're out man and outgunned, I was impressed and happy with the – "Quote unquote progress, especially how they did things. You're focusing on like, oh, they just—they should have done better. I'm like, I was happy they got where they were. The improvement was overwhelming. <laughs> That's what I'm looking at. The fact that they didn't get it in the end zone, I'm like, shows that they're they're getting steps and steps closer to doing and accomplishing their goal. And I'm not defending them or, or or whatever. I'm just saying that I see the improvement, even with the with the line being the way it is. 
if they have the same amount of improvement this following week, I expect even a bigger difference. Well, well speaking uh, of improvement, go ahead, Russ. Yeah. No, I I was going to say, I, I think we can all agree. Yes, we have seen the improvement, but yes, even though we've seen the improvement, we've got to see more points because unless we see more points, we're all going to be doing this each and every week. So let's yeah, I appreciate it. From, from Dallas point. to today, I'll take what I'm looking at. <laughs> Howard's measuring the glass and he's pointing to the fact that it's half full for him and, and that's fine. And you know, we're just looking at we're looking at the whole glass. OK, mm -hmm. we, we want it to be right at the top where it's overflowing. Howard, we want to make sure that your thirst is quenched at well, some point. Well, well yes. now, Lance, now, Lance, you're being a little greedy because the, 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 the glass has been empty, but bone dry <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> Like I said, half, half full. I like that. Okay, that, I'm, I'm like, we'll, we'll continue so, this analogy. I like there's it. There's something yes. in the glass. You guys are half empty. Yeah. Half full. There's something in the glass. Let's let's move on. Before yeah, we, we weren't even getting a shot glass. <laughs> no, we were still washing out the glass, the soap no. and the water. We were cleaning it from the previous season. So, right. okay, I, I think <laughs> I think the analogy has come full circle. The one thing though, I do want to leave us with here. Speaking of improvement, okay, I'll go with Howard Steen. This was the first time in three Giants Hangout programs for the audience that watches us as opposed to listens that Howard's camera cooperated. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same program. thing. Right? I mean, so, so forget the Giants on-field product, Howard. Your technology made huge strides over the span of the last few weeks. I'm impressed. I mean, like that's, Giants, that's what the conversation the, should have been about. Like the Giants, I'm getting a little better every week. Let's, let's leave <laughs> there it you go. <laughs> And we can absolutely all agree on that front. And that will wrap up the latest edition of the Giants Hangout. As we are with you each and every week, it is our weekly roundtable discussion. We recap the latest game. We look ahead as well. Lance Meadow, Russ Salzburg, Howard Cross with you. You can check it out on Giants.com, the mobile app, and your favorite podcast platform. We're out. Thank you for joining us on the Giants huddle version of the Giants hangout. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And again, go subscribe if you like what you hear. And again, I stress the second episode every week is very different with Brandon, Madeline, and Jonathan. Uh, they do a great job kind of bringing a, a different flavor to Giants talk. So make sure you go tune in late on Thursday. The hangouts usually posted late afternoon. And uh, check out that group as well on the Giants Hangout. And go subscribe as well. All right. Thanks for being with us today, everybody. Have a great week. And stay tuned to the Giants Little Podcast for more. We'll try to have our national analyst uh, coming your way on Thursday. Still working on who that's going to be. And then we'll have our Friday show with Brian Dable, a Giants player and a beat reporter covering the Washington Commanders. Thanks for being with us on the Giants Little Podcast. It's brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the Giants. We'll see you next time. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. 
Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.